Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good afternoon, good morning, everyone. It's the one and only V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live in this edition for V is for Vettas. We have one. Of, we have with us the dark, the deep state. My God, the dark raven of the deep state. Goodness gracious, I didn't have enough coffee this morning. And he is with us. And folks, if you are a fan of Vellas, which I am myself, you can find him lurking within the Discord at the Rogue News Discord. And if you need to get into the Discord, just simply email CJ, CJ at roguenews.com, CJ at roguenews.com. And he will let you in. And with that being said, fellas, what's up, buddy? How are you? Brothers, how are, how are you doing? Uh, the last two shows, we had a lot of humor there between Gus and Crypto yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday, it was me and me and Crypto. Oh, last two days, yeah. Gus and, and, and yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I apologize. See, I need, I need more coffee. You got you to gotta keep up, brother. I'm still, you know what it is, man? I'm still, <laughs> I'm still recovering from the whole Kanye West interview with Alex Jones yesterday. Uh, I am... <laughs> <laughs> I have the definite. I've never seen Alex Jones cringe in my life, and he. <laughs> oh my God! So that's here's the thing, Kanye. I know, I know you're talking about uh, about Hitler, and uh, you're not really for the Nazis, are you? Not are you, Kanye? I love Nazis. I love Hitler. Uh, so you're trying to say metaphorically that you're just like. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not metaphorical. He made Alex Jones uncomfortable. Oh my god! Uncomfortable. Yeah, he. All I I need now is for for uh, Kanye to be interviewed by uh, Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, and for for (laughs) Farrakhan to get uncomfortable and say, "I I just can't. I just can't." (laughs) Like I've said some pretty heinous crap, but I just can't do it. See, my I'm seeing this whole Balenciaga BS and this whole Kanye West insanity. And I'm like, what are they distracting us really from, man? You know? Because right now, nobody's talking about Sam Scam Bankman fraud appearing live on television as he's skating away. Like we said, we said this kid will not see the inside of a jail cell or he's going to get Epstein. And, 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 and the thing is, man, he's had to skate away with $31 billion. Unreal. And we know where that money went. It went to some very, very powerful players, but uh, oh, we're, we're too busy talking about Kanye West, this insane brat, a spoiled brat on, on his complaining tour. And and a $30 million home for his parents. 
He has parents? Yes, a $30 million parent, uh, home for his beachfront home for his parents. Allegedly, he doesn't know how the funds went from FTX to purchase that home. Oh, you're talking about Scam Bankman. Scam Bankman, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah his he, his parents already have that that uh, what was it eleven million dollar property in the Bahamas. Yep, it's good stuff. Velas, oh. what's new, man? How do you want to start this? There's a lot of stuff going on, man. There's a lot of stuff going on, and and everybody, be careful while you're out there driving around because it's the holidays and people are acting nuts. Um, just you know, God. I hate being on the roads during the holidays because everybody's just jacked up. Everybody so is. some of you may notice that my icon has changed from the traditional Vellus uh, <clears throat> Slavic. Well, that is not a raccoon. That is a trash panda, a.k.a. Oh. raccoon. Because thanks to our boy Bill and several other people, and you you may have noticed in some of the comments here, uh, you know, may the trash panda be with you. Uh, Bill has been investigating legally establishing our own religion, uh, the fraternal order of the International Trash Panda Organization. Nice. So my thanks to Bill for exploring how to incorporate our own religion. As long as I can be a cardinal or a bishop in that organization, I'm game. Well, everybody's in on this. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Bill is the head of our legal department. Crypto is our CFO. Raven Six is our Sergeant at Arms, and Green Machine is our head of Dogma. And I, your humble servant, am the father of the church. Fantastic. So, where, where does that put me and CJ? We're ushers, I guess. I'll, I'll come up with something. You know me. I'll come up with something. Uh... So, yeah, uh, it, you know. Joking, but seriously, uh, you can establish legally your own religion, folks. It's it's a great opportunity. I might do that. I might do that. It's not a bad idea. Trash panda all the way. Um, so uh, I posted what we were going to cover today on on uh, Discord yesterday, both on the upcoming show and the the Velis page. So um, please do read the. Uh, it's a little a little dated, but uh, the Zero Hedge article quote a grand unified theory of FTX. Speaking of Bankman, uh, it was making the rounds on our Discord page on Sunday, uh, also over at Frank at Quite Frankly's page as well. Uh, it's an excellent synopsis of FTX. It has several elements relating to the story. Some things probably you haven't um, even come across before about that topic. Uh, and in the words of the author, who goes by the pseudonym Tyler Durden, uh, it's the longest article they've ever written, but it was warranted given the subject matter. Hmm. Um, and the article does dovetail a bit with what I'm going to cover today. Yeah. Bechtel is in the news. Some of you may know of the Bechtel Corporation. Uh, I wrote a paper on them years ago. Um, they're a private contracting and construction firm. Uh, Bechtel is going to be the selected firm to build the Intel. Uh, chip plant, Columbus, Ohio. That's two billion with a B uh, to build that one. Um, they're a very significant firm. Uh, back in the 1970s, they built an entire city in Saudi Arabia called Jubail, uh, which, at last count, uh, they've made 20 billion off of building that city. Uh, they've actually built a couple other cities in Saudi Arabia. They're also known for building the Alaskan pipeline, the Hoover Dam, and so on. They've been in business since the late 1800s. Um, I posted a link on Monday night, both on the story about the Intel chip plant, as well as on the book from 1989 about Bechtel called Friends in High Places. Um, and because I'm equal opportunity when it comes to politics, uh, most of Ronald Reagan's administration officials uh, were all 
Bechtel board of directors members or or Bechtel executives. Uh, Al Haig, uh, Don Regan, um, Cap Weinberger. I mean, they were all all of them were Bechtel people. Um, speaking Let's of the holidays, Dick Shaney. No, well, you know, wait, Dick it, is Halliburton. I, I apologize. Yeah, Dick. Dick is Halliburton, and Dick, Dick Dick goes back to the other Dick, which was Dick Nixon. Uh, Cheney, uh, Cheney's, Cheney's just that shadow that's always in the corner. Uh, you know he's there. Um, so also speaking of the holidays, you know, we just kind of moved through Thanksgiving. We're heading into Christmas or Hanukkah for those of you of the Jewish faith. And, uh, you know, we're approaching the winter solstice, and that's, you know, a lot of folks around the world have holidays right now. It's It goes back to ancient times. Uh, holidays can be tough. So uh, just my normal kind of uh, public relations uh kind of comment uh it's okay to acknowledge these times might be a little hard uh for you or the family so please reach out to those you know or even help groups if you feel you need it uh there's no need to struggle alone with this kind of stuff um i mean the traffic alone should should be enough to push you over the edge uh and equally if you've got people in your life who've suddenly become strangely quiet that might be a good opportunity to reach out and see how they're doing Edwardian England, uh, for those of you who have seen the British TV programs that a lot of Americans have fallen in love with, like Upstairs, Downstairs, or Downton Abbey, you'll have a solid reference for the following. Uh, for that matter, even uh, a show I'm fond of from the 1980s, the, the BBC Sherlock Holmes program, which was often on PBS, uh, with the wonderful actor Jeremy Brett, who probably has, well, he has been identified as probably one of the best portrayals of, of Holmes there is. Um, our globalist friends love that feudalistic world. Uh, Well-dressed erudite elites sitting about at fancy dinners and midday tea discussing their next elaborate plan, uh, whether to go dig up dead Egyptians or start a company in Africa, eugenics, transhumanism, you know, the big brain stuff. Uh, meanwhile, down in the lower quarters of the house, countless servants run about keeping the whole thing running. Uh, if you dare raise any objection to the elites for whom you work, you're sent packing without what they used to call solid references, which will deny you future employment. Uh, the reason being the elites were all in on that system. Without references, you weren't really going to be able to get another job. Also, in that world, women were often beholden to their husbands due to their limited legal rights, even if you were an elite. Um, even if a woman had inherited money in that era, she still needed a man to access bank accounts or conduct any financial transactions. So to quote Robert Downey from the new Sherlock Holmes movies, uh, the men they married often had issues, and I quote from the movie, he likes fast women and slow ponies, unquote. Uh, <laughs> the globalists cannot wait to turn this planet into Edwardian England. And with that, CJ, are we off the other channel? Yeah, we are never on it. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so... Uh, Mike Moore, folks, a uh, lot going on with Mike these days. Uh, I, I know I've alluded to it before, and he hasn't provided much um, detail. Uh, detail will be forthcoming. Um, he has some litigation coming uh, against some federal agencies and things. And given his history of success with the FBI, I'm interested to see who he's going after and in what way. Um he pointed out recently there are several new government training programs that are taking place in early 2023, focusing on managing national lockdowns. Oh, when? 2023? In January of 2023. He, he cited, I mean, it's, it's Homeland Security is hosting the training, but it's, if for those of you who I, recall, I love when they do trainings. Yeah, well, you, you, for the... 
<laughs> Go ahead, man. For those of you who may recall, uh, in late 2019 and early 2020, uh, there was training programs uh, carried out inside federal agencies that focused on dealing with the legal ramifications as well as the law enforcement ramifications of locking folks down and had prepared documentation and form letters and everything else so that various agencies wouldn't have to, to wonder how do we do this. Um, the net of it is, is that they're doing it again. Uh, in January 2023, there's a number of, of mandatory scheduled training for uh, leaders of federal agencies on how to manage national lockdowns. So keep your swivel on, folks. Uh, they may try to do this again. And just a reminder, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a pathogen. Uh, yeah. if, we have, uh, if we have a power outage or some <laughs> other type of event uh, in the name of national security uh, or, 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 or people challenging an election or something like that. Uh, well, you know, and given the work I used to do with FEMA and some of the other federal agencies, you know, the language we used to use was was national integrity, which is unbelievably uh, vague and wide open. Uh, so anyway, keep keep your eyes open, because uh, the last time they trained everybody in January and had it all rolling out by April. So we'll see. Mm. So a topic, uh, and this is kind of the main uh, shtick, um, what do you call it, I was going to cover today. Uh, it's in two parts. Um, the first part is is John Newman and then kind of an explanation of what he was talking about. I've, I've mentioned Newman before. Um, mm. He wrote a number of books on the JFK uh, assassination. He's got one called Into the Storm. Uh, another one, I think, Angel, where angels fear to tread, etc. And I've mentioned him. You know, there's a lot of folks who've written about the JFK assassination or, or those years. And sure. um, his book is more like a desk reference. And I've, I've made mention of this on another show that, like, you'll you'll see because I've got him here on my bookshelf. You'll see a famous person referenced uh, in a in a JFK book, and it'll say, "Well, this this person was actually." Uh, Manuel Torres, uh, that was his real name. It wasn't this other thing or whatever. Uh, Newman actually will say, actually, it wasn't Manuel Torres. It's here's 15 other names that guy was known by. And he had cover names under the Department of Energy and FBI and CIA and this, that, and the other. And so it's it's like, yeah, when I say desk reference, I mean desk reference. I mean, it's dates, key people, what have you. You'll, you'll find somebody who's kind of like an obscure player in that whole storyline you go to the back of Newman's book and it's like in the index, he's got 15 different pages of, of detail about that person uh, that's worth checking. Now in the second book, cause he's got three books he's published and supposedly he's got two more uh, that he's trying to write, uh, which haven't been released yet in his second book. Um, he kind of pulled off the road and explained an element, if you will, of this whole storyline that he should have covered in his, in his first book. And that, that being the model or the approach used by agencies to create confusion around an event, or even among people who are supposed to know uh, the government's secrets. Now, the model or the approach that was used is similar to something I've mentioned before, which is, which is and this isn't the end-all be-all, but... The Masonic Scottish Rite thing, about 33 degrees, versus the English Rite in the Masonic Order, which has four, uh, which each degree comes more knowledge, more awareness, more enlightenment, 
uh, but also only when the initiate is truly ready for it mentally and can be trusted with the information they're being given. Uh, Cecil Rhodes used this approach, as have many others, as well as specifically intelligence agencies like uh, the CIA and others around the world. Uh, you don't necessarily need to be someone with an impressive job title to be trusted with the most devastating of secrets. It's more about your mental and psychological maturity. One of the jokes we used to have in government R&D was... Um, I don't want to know about a three-star general that's running a lab out in Utah. You have my undivided attention if you've got somebody who has the rank of major or lieutenant colonel. Uh, because it's like those those kind of mid-level officers are the ones who really... I mean, look at Oliver North. He, he was a colonel. He wasn't a general. Um, so the way Newman laid it out, there's a multitude of cover stories who sometimes overlap uh, and or stand apart when it comes to the, the JFK topic. And from discussions he's had with sources, you know, the system sustains the cover-up by creating a whole series of semi-true or downright false explanations. Uh, each of these stories is carefully maintained for years by key people who debrief trusted personnel when needed. And by virtue of the importance of the story, it buys that person's loyalty. They're involved in something big now, and they will literally kill to protect it. Uh, the system invests decades in maintaining all these stories. And to me, that means it has to be bigger, and which it is, than just the the uh, John F. Kennedy topic, simply because it's a living program. It isn't that somebody somewhere has an old folder somewhere, and there's a written explanation in there, and that's just what we go with. I mean, this this it, it reacts. It's a living system. It reacts to new data, old data, requests for FOIAs, et cetera, which means it's, it's an ongoing campaign of disinformation. And... When you reach certain levels of trust in those agencies or even the FBI, you might find yourself being debriefed about this topic. And the stuff they tell you, the documents, the facts, the pictures all look legitimate. Uh, in fact, many of them are legitimate, but they're incomplete. And you've been through these debriefings before and everything about it looks and feels legitimate. Uh, you'll even find yourself willing to, to kill to protect these secrets. Now, down the hall, they're telling someone like you an equally believable narrative with facts and details. And you both are being lied to, uh, maybe to test you, maybe to create storylines that can be traced back to certain people if they get out. Uh, the reality is you're far from the real truth, but yet so conditioned you'll kill to protect the lie they told you. Now, let me say that again. You're in so deep, you will kill to protect the lie they've told you. <clears throat> so with that, let me use an example from the Oklahoma City bombing from 27 years ago in 1995 where I'm going to walk you all through a series of narratives where each each one kind of builds on the last one, and, and you'll see where I'm going with this. So we have the first narrative, which is the official public story, uh, which is Tim McVeigh acted alone. Uh, media, school books, and the internet reinforce that narrative. They label anyone who doesn't follow it as misguided, or if necessary, harsher language is used. Uh, those usually being your conspiracy theorist uh, or your Kanye uh, on TV wearing a black mask, uh, that the person in question might even be dangerous to society. Uh, I mean, by that reference point alone, think about the labels that were applied to people that were questioning COVID when that first came out, and that was just two years ago. The second narrative is semi-official to trusted people, uh, whispered to some in the media and serving federal personnel as well as certain government contractors. Uh, that narrative will go as follows. It was mainly McVeigh, but they acknowledged some lower level folks that were helping him escaped. 
and the government held McVeigh and Nichols responsible for the good of the country. And the implication is, quote unquote, we dealt with the others later, a.k.a. we had them terminated once we located them. Uh, it appeals to certain parties with whom this narrative is shared, making them feel exclusive or included on what's really going on in the world. Plus, thanks to television programs and movies, this narrative is often portrayed in situations like this. Uh, people who are told this second narrative remain quiet for a few reasons, including either patriotism, they feel included in something special, or even out of fear of disclosing what for them is the quote-unquote truth. Third narrative, information is classified in some way. Information to trusted parties in government or for those readers of small batches of published books, certain documentaries, which are often foreign to the United States in this case, or online narratives who include source material. It builds on the second narrative that there's more to this, but in a controlled disclosure of the narrative. For the Oklahoma story, I would point you to a very good book called The Third Terrorist by Jana Davis. Uh, the storyline in her book was is that the government is hiding uh, the truth or the reality that Saddam Hussein, Iraq's leader, following the massive devastation of the 1991 conflict over Kuwait, wanted revenge. Hidden among the refugees that came out of Iraq uh, following 1991 were members of Iraqi intelligence. Uh, they recruited dissatisfied Americans via several means and provided the expertise and planning to enable someone like A. Tim McVeigh to carry out the attack. Her book contains several uh, interesting items in it, including details that that I did not see anywhere else but her book, uh, such as you know documentaries and things. This storyline reinforces the motivation for even more committed or dare one say radical elements in, in the U.S. intelligence community, law enforcement, and military to get even with Iraq. This group of individuals at the third narrative level believe themselves the only people capable of defending the country from those hidden truths because everybody else is too apathetic or too bureaucratic to quote unquote, do something about it. These folks got their chance in early 2003 when the United States invaded Iraq for the final time. It must also be said the third narrative opens itself to manipulation of those unsatisfied with the second narrative. Namely information is provided for a plausible but untrue or partially true story to throw those seeking the truth off the trail. Now, do I believe Jaina is a plant? Not in the slightest. Uh, her life was nearly destroyed for that book, and she was never able to really get back into the media uh, ever again, as she was a, a reporter in Oklahoma. However, could she have been planted carefully provided information to help her write it? Yes. We've seen that method used several times in the past, and rather amusingly, where's one of the areas where we've seen planted information used very effectively? Well, that's in the UFO topic. Now, I'm going to kind of stop here for a second because there's a couple of takeaways about Oklahoma I want to get into before we get into the what I consider the fourth narrative of this. Um, the Oklahoma topic is a little outside the norm, whether we're talking about JFK or a whole bunch of other topics that are out there. Uh, a, it was purely domestic to the United States. B, the state of Oklahoma had people with a vested interest in investigating it despite opposition from federal investigators and people inside their own state government and state media. In fact, the harder native Oklahomans tried to investigate this thing, the more opposition increased, including people who were killed. In the case of the latter, one of the more well-known uh, examples of that was a police officer who kept talking about the discrepancies between what happened that day and what he himself saw. The 
C item is Jana Davis, the author of the book, was not just a native Oklahoman, but she was a local reporter. She had years of investigative skills. She knew non-traditional ways to get details out of state agencies and law enforcement. She was trusted in the area, et cetera. Factors such as these, in my opinion, is why Oklahoma didn't go into the memory hole quietly. So this example is, is a good one to use because various narratives tend to work more easily and help hide these matters uh, rather than what happened here. Case in point, uh, the after effects of what happened after the Pan Am bombing over Scotland, uh, TWA Flight 800, and a, a number of other examples I could cite. So the fourth narrative is a higher level of classification than the third level to federal or civilian recipients. We're near approaching the outliers and the alternative media who through books or word of mouth or online narratives cannot disclose their sources. But if you trust them uh, as a source or as a messenger, then you, you need to trust the parties that have provided the various forms of information. Storyline at the fourth level being powerful groups in opposition to other powerful groups who were supporting Bill and Hillary Clinton, which would include in part the US intelligence community, we're compiling over time compromising information at a secure federal location for future prosecution, that being the Murrow building. The goal being to remove Clinton, the Clintons as assets and competition among globalists. Now, there are several solid sources who've ID'd that there were multi-year federal investigations into the Clintons who were taking place, but those all stopped after Oklahoma City, which begs the question, why? because it was as though the sources of their evidence were lost and the investigations had to be shut down as a result. People with security clearances debriefed on this level of information are more highly vetted as they usually possess top secret or SCI clearances. Whether for good or ill, they're simply told the information will get you a jail sentence or worse if it leaks. Those who receive the information through alternative means are often so frightened of its comment that alone buys their silence. At this level, one is getting closer to the truth, but like all stories, there are many threads, and you may not have all the detail. Further, at the fourth level, one begins to be, see this event is not an isolated uh, incident, but as part of a much broader context or some sort of ongoing storyline who is different than the accepted model of the way the world works. Moving into the fifth narrative, highest classification, Loosely put, something even more incredible to believe than the fourth, but is indeed true or truer. One's government security clearance at this point almost doesn't matter. You're either on the inside or you're not. You may be provided the storyline as you come uh, from such wealth or political influence or similar. Uh, these things are discussed openly, uh, but still privately. And... You may be provided this simply because you've achieved a level of wealth or influence that allows you to be told what this is. For the average person, awareness at this level may be due to sheer luck or the amateur researcher who got it right. This level of storyline is, yes, there were key documents and information stored at the Murrow building. However, the truest truth is one of several possible things. Number one, skilled federal investigators were lied to about going after the Clintons in order to leverage their expertise to locate all incriminating evidence anyone had on the Clintons to make sure it was secured in a single place, thereby making destruction easier. Number two, there are in fact professional teams of people whose job it is to destroy buildings or sites like this using military-grade weapons who are not commonly known to exist. These teams are isolated and not on the books. Their false identities are as though they were never born. Number three, 
players involved in these warring factions are not just private equity intelligence agencies or powerful European families, but go into even stranger territory. Number four, it was not just about criminal activity by the Clintons, but why that criminal activity took place at all. The guns to South America, the drugs coming back from South America and sold across the United States, the trafficking of kids through Arkansas, among many other places, Jeff Epstein, blackmail plans, related types of networks, and money laundering. Number five, it's no longer about powerful people doing powerful things. It's about multi-decade plans by people at this level to achieve highly complex and world-changing goals. Therefore, the investigations into the Clintons and the data at the Murrow building would not just compromise Bill and Hillary Clinton. They can be replaced. That's happened before. It would have exposed the players and their long-term goals. So the building had to be destroyed. But the problem was local people with time, money, and effort and personal motivation wouldn't let it go. And their discoveries only made the matter worse. Now, final comment. Noting this model, which is all theoretical, that I just laid out to all of you. And after some discussions I've had with a few of you on Discord and my own research and a couple other people I've been talking to of late, I may be flat wrong on the following, but I believe it does have some basis. And as I stated on, on uh, Tuesday night on Discord, I now believe personally uh, we have a factional fight going on where sides are willing to burn to a degree their own assets for larger gain. Hmm. Specifically, I believe we may be witnessing that Mossad assets and their desire to further their influence in the United States are now openly attacking assets of the London Corporation and our own government. I believe this is a contributor to why we have such strange behavior out of known parties in Silicon Valley, the world of finance, government, the U.S. intelligence community these last few years. Yeah. To be a little bit more blunt about it, folks, we've got people whose driver's licenses have always said, I'm on this side and this is what I'm doing. And now they're acting in ways they shouldn't or wouldn't if that model was still holding. So I mean, I, I, I think a good example of that would be, look what happened last, yesterday. DeSantis just, kicked, you know, just liquidated BlackRock Black Rock $2 yeah. billion. Dollars. Okay, $2 billion. And the amount of Davos, City of London funding that's in BlackRock just got a swift kick right in the groin. Yes, and as we talked on a prior show, um, the challenge, I mean, I've had these conversations with clients when I'm, I'm performing management consulting kind of work, um, especially in the commercial space, where I have to remind senior executives, and again, it's not that I've got all this wisdom, it's just they're so close to what they're doing, as the old saying goes, you're too close to it, you're not seeing the rest of what's going on around you. Mm. Where I've had to remind people, your organization is now so large. Your company is now so large. You essentially need your own intelligence organization. And by the way, here are several major American corporations who actually have that. They've literally hired former spies to go keep an eye not only on their competitors, but the executives of their competitors yeah. with full psychological breakdowns, the, the whole thing. It's the Japanese motto, business is war, but apply business to is, Business is war. And yeah. so um, to your point... Um, people don't understand that like with BlackRock, BlackRock will, in the end, it will eat itself. I don't mean that we shouldn't worry about it. It's still a major player and their their, their leadership has certain, uh, what do you call it, human engineering uh, things in their mind. Uh, but 
we talked about on a prior show, if the if the insurance unit inside BlackRock is losing money hand over foot, and when they lose money at a private equity level, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And they're losing money because their own division down the hall that's involved with big pharma is causing them to lose money. Well, the knives are out. I mean, somewhere somebody inside that organization is going to have to decide, is is there a way to triage this or are we going to have to cut our ties with one whole sector of the economy because we're losing too much money in, an, in another area? Right. And I know, V, you, you mentioned it the other day. Um, I think it may have been yesterday on the, on the crypto show. Um, the, the comment I made to all of you last April. Uh, and I, I made mention of this also on the on the Discord channel. Um, you know, I, I told all of you last April, and, and I could be wrong, but I told all of you last April, I said, I got a feeling, I can feel it, that assassination is going to start happening at a level that you can't necessarily explain it away as slipped on a bar of soap or uh, whatever form of accident occurred it doesn't necessarily need to be somebody with a high-powered rifle in dealey plaza down in in uh, dallas um we've seen in the news of late at least three major crypto uh players who have all left this world uh amusingly um the other item i raised on discord the other day was uh for the little vignette i did about uh, robert brockman uh, the ceo of an american company who was at the center of what was considered by the treasury department the the worst uh tax fraud of an individual in american history and i walked you all through that whole thing about brockman was involved with a gentleman who was considered the wealthiest african-american in the united states and this this large running scheme where they were laundering and moving money into the Caribbean, and the list goes on. And of course, during that story I told you all about a couple of months ago, I think it was last September, uh, Brockman died uh, in prison last August uh, before the trial could ever take place, where there would have been a ton of discovery and probably some very embarrassing things would come out. Well, what just happened this week, uh, his counterpart in that, the lawyer who put the whole thing together, uh, committed suicide last Monday. Now, maybe he was helped in that process, or maybe he did do it himself. I don't know. But there's a laundry list of people and major influencers in the world that are dropping dead. And, you know, and it goes to this thing about are we witnessing a factional argument going on between the London Corporation and Israeli intelligence? It's hard to say, but something's happening. And as I, as I alluded to last April, when we have this level of players, and they start getting into it with each other and and things start solidifying about what the new digital economy is going to look like and all these other factors that are going on. Um, there's going to be losers in that, even if you're part of the elite, even if you're part of the, the inner sanctum and you know what's going on. Uh, eventually, when these things happen, look at the end of World War II, there's going to be people for whom there's no chair when the music stops. And to paraphrase Patrick Ryan, you're talking about people that can erase you down to your last human genome. They're not going to go quietly. So if you're operating at this level, whether it's corporate America or whether it's international affairs, you got to act first. If you know they're going to lose, then you got to take them out now before it, it gets bad later. Or, or they have time to organize a response to what you're doing. So yes, Green Machine, Giants in the Playground. So that was my com uh, content for today, V. Uh, what other topics shall we cover? 
Uh, that's a good question. Um, Other than the church of the of the <clears throat> trash panda. Let's discuss in detail this hierarchy of the trash panda because I'm offended <laughs> that I'm not even an usher. Can it, can I at least be an altar boy? I, I definitely feel that you are defenders of the faith. <laughs> you and CJ both. No, in, all, in all seriousness, you know, you, you're seeing it on your data points. There is a factional war. I'm seeing it in my data points. There's a factional war. Tom Luongo sees the same thing. We're we're reading from different sections of this very long sheet of music. And when you listen to us long enough, folks, you start seeing that what Vela's is saying, what Tom is saying, what I'm saying, it's all coming together as a symphony. We are in a state of, of chaos and incredible things moving in such a high rate of flux here that it is absolutely mind-boggling in terms of the frequency events on a daily and weekly basis it's almost difficult Vellas, at this point to even keep up there's so many things happening well and brendan o'connell um who you know like like any of the folks out there i think brendan is close to the topic but yet if some old friend of mine was to come to me and go you you know he's an asset of australian intelligence or whatever it's like i'm, I'm equally open to that possibility um but Brendan O'Connell, he's got some jingles I like. You know, one of, one of his jingles is, is is Trump has all the right enemies. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean Trump is is somebody you should you should be uh, betting on on the roulette table of life anymore. But but that he's pissed pissed off the right people, and I always I always like that. But another another Brendan comment he's made is is that if you look at various international meetings of these organizations and not to to bore all of you to, to death on this topic but but we've we've covered it here often george soros is a distraction it's lord malik brown behind him uh, the world economic forum is really a mouthpiece for kissinger um the list goes on council on foreign relations the bilderberg organization council of 100 the, the list goes on all of these groups, if you're out, I mean, God, they taught this to me day one when I used to work with these groups for the Department of Defense. Um, if you're out in the media, if you're, uh, if people can see you, mm. the analogy they used, folks, and, and V, I, I know you'll, you'll remember this. It's what was known as the, the wild weasels, which is no... Uh, yeah, those no, are anti-radiation. Uh, I mean, th those are aircraft that would hunt radars. Yes, and they would work in teams of, of two in Vietnam. And yep. the first pilot would go in the hard and fast. F-105 Thunder Chief, baby. That was the first one. Remember those F-105s? Oh, the F-104. Yes. I'm sorry. F-104. Was the 104? F-4. No, it was, you're, you're correct on the first part. They started with the 105s, and then they went with then the they F-4s. The F-4 Phantoms, yep. But the Phantoms, by the way, folks, uh, as the old joke goes in the Air Force, was proof that we could make a, a brick fly. Oh, my um, God. The, the Phantoms. The drag of a brick. The, the Phantoms used to leave such a massive dark trail. Uh, when they were really pushing the engines hard. So you got a pilot who's making themselves a target. Now, over time, the enemy figured out what we were doing, and they tried to adjust their tactics. But they, they called it a wild weasel attack. The first plane goes in, highly erratic, fast, using flares to distract and try and draw the missile batteries to turn on their radar. And as soon as they did, the other plane that was loitering about 
fired what was known as an anti-radiation missile or an arm or harm missile arm. to take to take it out. It's the same thing with whether it's Nancy Pelosi, whether it's 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 uh, some of the leaders of these other groups. Um, the uh, the guy that sounds like Kissinger running the World Economic Forum, um, they are intentionally putting themselves out to be targets, to draw yeah. the attention away from from who's really behind the scenes. But yeah. back to what Brendan O'Connell was talking about, his comment was is that if you look at all of those meetings of all of those organizations, and I've even alluded to the fact that that uh, the conference I attended uh, by a, a defense industry organization known as FCA out in Colorado Springs back in 2010, um, they were, they were, that one was a little bit more, uh, what do you call it, close to the vest, but they still kind of acknowledged, I mean, I was a little stunned when I'm, I've told you all about this before, I'm sitting in the audience and they're talking about border conflict, water conflict, food conflict, and the head of the panel goes, well, as we all know, the real, the real danger to stability in the international environment is the world's population. And I could feel the cold chill going through my system as I thought, oh, baby, here it comes. We got to get the population down. Um, Brendan's comment was, is that these folks were pretty well organized. They had the plans down, you know, Bill Gates is involved. We got a lot of really smart people. And as I've often said, there's so many threads here between diesel fuel, the, the rail industry, cargo, uh, all these different aspects of American society, rolling out critical race theory at the at the uh, school level, the list goes on. But Brendan's comment was, quote, they're way behind. They've fallen way behind in their planning. And that's why now they're getting a bit desperate and why there's there's just downright crazy ass decisions, whether it is uh, the recent decision by the Dutch government that I don't know. I mean, you all knew there were protests and things going on in Holland, but I don't know that many of you caught the news this week. The Dutch government is seizing one third of all farms in the country. Yeah, to be shut down. Right. Because they, they've got, we got to get carbon dioxide down, which by the way, folks, because <laughs> I used to work with some people at, at uh, what do you call it? The uh, EPA. Um, what is the number one cause of environmental impact? It's not carbon dioxide, it's methane. Right. But what produces methane? Well, among other mm -hmm. things, yeah, volcanoes and cows. But we're going we're gonna to tackle carbon dioxide. Um, but there's a whole host of other things. You know, the desperation over what's going on in Ukraine, that, that certain goals haven't been achieved. Now we're out and out staying that, that we're training, that U.S. troops are on the ground training Ukrainian troops. That's an invitation for war. <laughs> um, that, that, that worked out well in, with, with uh, South Ossetia. <laughs> you know, and I, I look, I, I look as, as a student of the subject going back to the 1980s, yes, I was in middle school and high school, but I've been weird since I was born. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm studying this stuff as a, as a young kid with, with Eastern European relatives looking at me like the emperor from Star Wars going, good, good boy, let the hate flow. Um, yes, let the hate flow. <laughs> <laughs> you would see something happen in, in the 80s with, with the Cold War and even the early internet, you know, and I'm talking dial-up and, and message boards in the early 1990s. And it took unbelievable effort and a bunch of dead authors to say, well, hey, I think the rumor is true that when NATO ran their big war games in 83, 
that the Soviet Union was so kind of caught off guard by that, plus Reagan's rhetoric, they thought we literally were about to launch World War III. And it was only by an act of God that we that the rumors are true that we we avoided that. We I you know, for me personally, I've gone from that where it took 10 plus years just to try and get some detail about a certain topic to FTX blows up on the mainstream media in front of God and everybody, and this idiot is speaking at a conference this week. And and, and I love the and question, nothing, and nothing, and I love nothing. The, I love the question that was posed to him. Uh, here, I, I just got a letter. Uh, the, the host was saying Sorkin, who was a very connected to a very powerful family, the Sorkin family. My God, um, he was sta- He was saying, um, uh, "Here we have a letter from a listener saying I've lost two million dollars with you. Do you have anything to say?" And Bankman Fraud, being the psychopathic sociopath that he is, could only talk about himself and how he feels. Yes, just like any narcissist, or or shall we say, Same. sociopath. I mean, the That's comment why. I I want to yeah. hang him by his man boobs. I I went off on Discord where I'm like, you may have possibly harmed the entire crypto market to such a degree that it may have lost a degree of validity in the eyes of multiple parties. It did. And the best you can come up with was, I didn't mean to, and it was my girlfriend's fault. Yep. Yep. Because she's a, she's a trading genius. It's incredible. I mean, banks are suffering right now. Uh, there's the Fed has lost. Dude, they're investigating all the wrong people. They should be investigating his ass and trade. They're investigating all sorts of institutions. Everybody's feeling the heat. It's ridiculous what's happening. And I had a, a colleague of mine said the best: scam, bankman, fraud. He was the suicide bomber driving the truck into the crypto industry. Yes. Yeah. Here's the question, guys. See, you put it up that he ever committed any criminal fraud. Let's take a listen. One of the the letters I got, uh, I want to read to you, Sam, um, (laughs) from a gentleman who said that he lost his life savings. Um, And the subject line is, Sam Bankman-Fried stole $2 million from me. Says, Andrew, can you please ask SBF why he decided to steal my life savings and the $10 billion more from customers to give to his hedge fund, Alameda. Please ask him if he thinks the thinks what happened was fraud. These are the kinds of letters that I've been getting repeatedly over the past several days. What do you tell this, this man? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm deeply sorry about what happened. Sure. <laughs> I'm deeply sorry, deeply sorry. About what sorry. Oopsie, I stole billions of dollars, the rest, my bad. The rest of the interview is also nuts on several levels. At one point, he's like offering financial advice about how and what to know which crypto exchange is a fraud. He also uh, basically downplays any chance that he had any criminal liability. But one of the ones that actually bothered me the most is whenever he was asked about his own criminal liability. And he was basically saying that he wasn't thinking about that because all he wants- the Liability at this point. So I don't think that, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't personally think that I have, uh, you know, but I, I think the real answer is that's not. not can't even say, look but, up. But can't I, even I look up. I'd want to punch him in his face um, and break his facial. Uh, I want to break his face for me to sort of think about myself and my own future, but I don't think. Myself and my own future. Like, I just need to think about myself. Now. 
I mean, look, I, I've had a bad month. Um, this is not. Really bad bad month. Look at the people laughing. The right? people are like, hey, this is and the cheering. They clap after this. Customers. What matters so here? Do you do you realize the damage this guy has caused? Dude, I realize but, the fucking damage. It, it is horrible what is happening right now. It's you you nailed horrible. you nailed it on the head though, V, and it's 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 something we've said on Rogue, not just me, but but you and CJ and and Gus and a whole bunch of other folks. I'm sure Matthew has said it a couple times. Where we've 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 made this. You said we're not prosecuting the right people, but it also goes to our narrative about you're asking the wrong questions. Mm. You know, it's like with with Fauci. Yeah. Uh, would would one of you have the stunt? What are all of you prosecutors and you attorney generals who are talking to him right now? Yeah, he's he. I use the word admit loosely. He's admitted that basically he knows nothing, knew nothing, doesn't know anything about anything. But not one of you have asked him. We dare you to tell us that you make no money off the Moderna vaccine because you've got part of the patent. I want to know about how many stipends you and your wife received from any pharmaceutical firm. Because, folks, as I've told you, I was a contractor working for the agency for about two years until I took the, the gig I'm doing right now. I was on the inside. I heard the chatter going on by people saying, oh, yeah, we can get a complete second source of income uh, if we get loaned out to universities or to pharmaceutical firms as an employee of HHS or NIH, and I'm looking at them going, you understand that's fraud? No, only if you're with the Department of Defense or another federal agency. It's perfectly legal here. How is that possible? Oh, oh because God. Dr. Fauci got the General Accounting Office and others to give us an exemption. Well, you know. What you the see... actual F? So it's like, so Walensky is what? How much money is she? Oh, well, the rumor is it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And how, humor me, when these checks are delivered, what is written on the check other than the dollar figure? Well, it's perfectly legal because it's in the interest of public-private partnership cooperation. And it's just like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Holy God. I felt better when I made weapons for the Department of Defense. I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm not dealing with you wow. other people. Well, but, by the way, to uh, ask, I may mispronounce your uh, your uh, pseudonym here, Assel Yarg. Uh, thank you for your husband's uh, service uh, on the USS Ranger. You know, Velas, as I was listening to the uh, the show today, and and a few thoughts, and just just open up for a minute, and I'll, I'll I'll be brief. But I think all of us, to a certain extent, are trying to make sense of the madness, the chaos that's encircling all of us. And yesterday, as I as I was watching uh, Ye on Alex it's Jones, yay. It was, it's yay, yay, it's yay, 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 yay. It, it <laughs> You're the worst person I know with names, and I love you. <laughs> it hit, it, it hit a plateau. It hit a plateau of of insanity of what was happening, and literally, <laughs> literally, the past I'd probably say month. There's times that when I lay down and I go to sleep, I, I actually do. And this is hundred percent, honestly, that I pray. And sometimes it keeps me awake. I'll pray and say, Lord, help me make sense of this. Help me make sense of this world, the insanity that, that, that encompasses our lives and make some sense of things that are, that are happening. And I've even said like, show me, Lord, I ask you, show me, some things that that are happening that can help us what what can we do and 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 it keeps me awake at night literally it does and that's and that's honest and Vela says I was listening to your show today I wrote down a few things and I, I want to read this 
And what I wrote this was what I'm titling the pillars of humanity and life. And within those four pillars, I wrote these four things down. There's four pillars that in my own humble personal experience of things that involve my life, my family, some things that I, I personally think could benefit our listeners that are tuning in. There's four things. The number one thing that I wrote down is this, is individual health and your family's health. What are you doing to ensure your family is nutrition, is getting the proper exercise, including mental health if need be? It, it's it's got to be one of those pillars that's there. It's the foundation that you build right now. Uh, the second thing that I wrote down was uh, solutions and local impact. What are you doing at the local level <clears throat> to directly help your family and impact and find solutions that are going to benefit you as we navigate through this storm that we're all going through? Uh, the third thing that I wrote down was that wheelhouse, what volume do you have that's in your wheelhouse in, in terms of the energy, the time that you spend listening, gathering and bringing in information? Uh, no disrespect, disrespect to anyone, any of our contributors here, but that could be tuning out some of the things that we even say here. Uh, because they're not in your warehouse of where you need to spend your time and energy. Hey, 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 don't tell people to tune out, man. <laughs> well, I'm just being honest. I'm just being totally honest. If it's not in your wheelhouse, you don't have the time and energy. Just, why spend time and energy on it? It's just going to make you tired. It's, it's, it's not going to do it. So what's in your wheelhouse? What do you have the volume for to handle? And what in, uh, information do you have to spend that time and energy in, energy in? The fourth thing that I wrote down was, I think you have to test you have to test your convictions and also self-evaluate those convictions. And, and, and you have to be able to self-evaluate that those convictions that you bought into are, are they, are they still the same? Are they yielding the results of where you need to be for yourself and your family as we navigate through this? And, and I'm sorry to go so deep, but I, I think it's, it's warranted in terms of, you know, like I said, just yesterday, listen to yay, ye, however you want to pronounce his name. Yeah. <laughs> It reached it reached peak insanity and stupidity to me, where I was like, "Oh my god!" It's like <laughs> this is where we have arrived. Yes, not, not only that, FTX, FTX as well. This is where this we is, we're have a joke. <laughs> Send the asteroid, oh god! I'm ready. Yeah, that's the uh, well. A couple quick things first, CJ. That I. I I commend you for that, and I mean that sincerely. It's like the, my opening comment about about I know the holidays can be hard for people. Um, yeah, I've 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 shared on this show many times. I've got some folks I know personally who've said, you know, can we have a little bit more success stories or or what have you? You know, part of part of our role here at Rogue, along with any any of the folks in the in the good parts of the alternative community, is to inform uh, and and make aware. Uh, but I had also reached out to V and CJ recently about perhaps having John Singleton come back on because he's, he's real good about, okay, here's some, here's some things you can, you can do. Yeah. Um, I also want to adopt those. Uh, I find it funny that you called those pillars cause that's, uh, uh, Islam has the five pillars of faith. Uh, I want to adopt those as part of the church of the trash panda. Um, <laughs> church of the trash panda. Well, I have the IP on it so I can sell it to you. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey, we yes, can but we're a nonprofit, it. so uh, we can tokenize it and put it on FTX. Because regardless of all this, we have to find a way to profit through it as well. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, the the Eastern European in me also uh, finds myself going to my my uh, Orthodox church where we've got a um, a little box next to an icon when you walk in, and it's it's. Uh, I know in the Catholic Church they've got the little red, or it depends on what kind of Catholic church you go into, but they've got the little uh, red glass things for the candles and stuff. The Orthodox Church, or at least mine. We've got a little sandbox kind of thing next to an icon, and you can take a beeswax candle and light a candle. And I, I frequently find myself these days lighting a candle to the universe and its infinite wisdom, and and dropping a knee uh, in my church, be- thinking, "Okay, Lord, uh, you helped us out of Russia in 1905 and 1917. Evidently, we're back on that road show again. And uh, when you have a moment, if you could smite some of our enemies." <laughs> That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. I want to go real Old Testament here. Smite my enemies, oh Lord. <laughs> and could we start with uh, the Wexners uh, <laughs> to begin with? Oh, man. They own that. They own your state of Ohio, right? They they do, man, yeah. from top to bottom. Every, every time I drive through Columbus, Ohio, and I see their names all over buildings and stuff, I'm just growling as I'm, I'm gritting my teeth. Ugh. Oh my God! It's unbelievable. You know, but at the same time, at least you know who's in charge. That makes things a little easier. That's what makes things terrifying. Are you kidding <laughs> it's, me? It's 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 like I've often told all of you in the audience. There's there's people who for years have come to me and said, "Were well, you implying there's twelve guys with cigars sitting around a table making all the world's decisions?" And it's like, yeah. shit. I wish that world did exist. That's easier to deal with. At least yeah. in my home state, I know who's running my it's, state. It's about it's about fifteen hundred to twenty three hundred idiots. Okay, that that's that's who's running the show right now, and they're they're oh my god, I'm not even gonna start. I'm not gonna start. John, John F. Kennedy's father once said, uh, and boy, he was a piece of work. Uh, the, at no time in American history have more than 50, 50 men run America. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The the problem isn't that fifty people may or may not be running the United States, and these days, thanks to the interdependency of the globalist community. I don't really know that, quote, they run the United States. It's more a function of they're in league with others. But uh, there's a certain symmetry, though, in at least knowing who these folks are. Uh, one of the many, uh, what do you call it, services we provide on Rogue, especially with Matthew Eretz's deep dives into these different organizations and their intellectual underpinnings and how they started and who runs them today. I mean, one of the the comments I had coming up on a future show is, is, is let's be candid. Uh, a lot of, of what's going on right now globally um, are the followers of Kissinger, uh, Henry Kissinger. Uh, I'm not kidding about that. This is uh, Kissinger's fingers are behind a lot of, of yep. what's going on. He, he, this is no joke folks, dead serious. The world economic forum exists because of Henry Kissinger. Correct. And Kissinger has heavily influenced the council mm-hmm. on foreign relations and some of the other uh, children of Cecil Rhodes, if you will. And I had somebody make a comment to me recently where they said, well, but but Kissinger's not long for this world. And I said, well, ironically, all these people that are talking about global eugenics and sterilization are not long for this world, which I find a bit ironic uh, that I've got people in their early 80s who are making decisions about who should live or die on this planet. But I said, um, <laughs> That's how stupid we are. <laughs> well, but I said, on the Kissinger topic, keep in mind, I said, it's no different than Cecil Rhodes. I said, when Rhodes died, he'd put in place all these different organizations. Matthew Eretz covered that in, in depth in both, uh, especially uh, England and the United States or the UK and the United States. And I said, Kissinger's, Kissinger's left all the machinery running. I said, I'll certainly, 
uh, have a drink the day he dies. But I said, uh, the machinery he's put in place is what you got to keep your eye on. It's Lord Malik Brown. It's him. Uh, it's the other players that are wandering around out there that we gotta we gotta keep an eye on. But well, on a lighter on a lighter yeah. topic, folks, my my next show will be uh, dealing with uh, alternative archaeology again, specifically the topic of what's known as living resurrection in the ancient world. So, well, I think just, you'll find that interesting. Yeah, r- real quick, Velas, because what you said reminded me of something. So the other day, uh, my youngest uh, finally he's a late late coming to the game, but he finally got his driver's license and. So Woo-hoo! we went, we went to uh, try to go get it over the, uh, the Thanksgiving break. You know, he, he took the test and all that kind of good stuff. And I was bitching and complaining because they were closed for five state, five straight days. The Bureau of Motor Vehicles, they closed uh, Thanksgiving, which I understand they closed the day after, which I'll give them a kind of a get a jail, get out of jail free card. But then they closed Saturday too. They're closed Saturday. And the only reason they close on Monday is because they're supposed to be open half day on Saturday. But guess what? They closed Sunday and Monday as well. So they were closed five straight days. And I was like so pissed off. I'm like, my son's <laughs> excited. He's going to go get his driver's license. I'm tired of being his freaking Uber. I really am. I'm like, you know, because he's so active. Um, so finally, the day came to, to go in and get his license. And we go through the majority of the process. And and the lady stops for me. She goes like, oh, no. She goes, I hate to tell you this, but he has to have his permit for 180 days and you're at the 179th day. So tomorrow is the last. Are you kidding? (laughs) Wow. Talk about the bureaucracy. And And I'm like, can't you just date it for tomorrow? So we don't have to come back and just say it's valid starting this day. And she's like, no, I can't. It just won't. You let should me have. You should have told it. her, dude, to say daylight savings time. It is 180. Well, I, I, being a parent, <laughs> being a parent, which I encourage everyone to do, I, I tried to spend this the best that I could to help my son understand things, and, and it, and it kind of made me reflect upon a couple things too. And I said, Drew, I'm like, let me remind you of this, and, and you guys, everyone, everyone has probably heard this that's listening to the stream, but it reminded me of someone who told me and it could have been either listening to Zig Ziglar way back in the day wherever I got this was that like don't spend so much time and energy on things that you can't change right like and I told Drew I'm like Drew I'm like this is one of those variables I know you're upset I know you're pissed it's probably gonna change the rest of your day but we can't change it it, it it's it's like the weather you can't change it and why I'm telling you this is because I think it's important to understand the uh, control mechanisms that we're currently living in. And we have to decide each one of us as an individual has to decide whether we stay plugged in uh, to the, to the matrix of, of financial uh, politics or all those things, or do we unplug from it? And, and what I mean by unplugging from it is do we unplug and disrupt the current system that's in place? And, and if we're going to stay plugged into it, then then be prepared for for the, the long haul because there's probably going to be some things in that that you're we're not going to be able to change uh but we're going to have to find way in in my humble opinion my own opinion is to find solutions to unplug from those things and those systems and create disruptive systems to change that versus how corrupt and everything is because it's so convoluted and, and so corrupt i i don't think that we can regain it I, I don't i personally don't think that we can not not to be negative in any shape or form i'm just saying that if, if you're going to be stay plugged into the current systems that 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 have dictated our lives since we were born you know 
go for it. That's that's on you. But I think that there's an opportune time for us to hear to navigate through this and find disruptive ways to change the political landscape, change the financial systems uh, to benefit benefit all of us. And to change the DMV. And change the freaking BME as well. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Very well said, gentlemen. And folks, we are at the end of the show. Thank you all for listening in. You can, again, catch Vela's over. He is the pontiff of the Trash Panda religious organization. You can find him lurking <laughs> in the doldrums of our Discord. And if you need to get into the Rogue News Discord, just email CJ, CJ and I are just altar boys. The good thing is that the Trash Panda, the Church of the Trash Panda, does not fondle altar boys, so CJ and I are safe. Uh, you can email CJ directly at uh, CJ at roguenews.com. With that being said, any last words, gentlemen? Have a good weekend, everybody, and, and take care. Well, just real quick. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, Vellas, you played a part in this in terms of some of our what we listen to here on Rogue and some of the things and, and you know, getting us really following and staying in tune to Whitney Webb and her work uh, that she's doing in regards to the two different volumes that she just released, America's oh, Culture yes. of Corruption. I can't remember the name of it, uh, but very excited to share with the, the help of uh, Matthew Arrett. Uh, we do have Whitney Webb uh, coming on for a live stream interview uh, next week. That uh, is so- earth shattering, folks. That is like biblical earth shattering that we've got i mean we cj and v have been able to get whitney to appear on the show that's the one nation under blackmail volume one and two books one nation under blackmail indivisible liberty with stupidity and justice for none and by the way folks brendan o'connell who has been critical at times is not critical but is critical at times of whitney webb's work uh i just literally caught his show from the other day where he said um volume two uh which was the of the two volumes the, the first volume is basically just like a lot of people and their backgrounds and stuff but volume two is more of the detail on uh, i mean volume two is the one that literally takes you back to vince foster and iran yeah. contra as it relates to epstein i mean how how deep does this rabbit hole go uh even brendan made a statement this week where he said okay i've finished volume two of her book and i gotta say she goes there there's there's stuff in here that Brendan was stunned she put in the book. Okay. So yep, absolutely. There you are. So so here you go. So Whitney's interview is confirmed. It'll be a joint interview between uh, V uh, Matthew. So it'll be a a, a rogue uh, slash uh, Rising Tide Foundation or or the Canadian Patriot interview, and it's confirmed for Tuesday, December the sixth at one p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tuesday, uh, December the sixth, one p.m. 1 p.m. Yep. Perfect. And with that being said, folks, we are over and out. Take it away, CJ. Enjoy your weekends.